At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now, and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one-tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Scalding hot Jamal Murray, a very tough night of dealing with the triple-double bound Nikola Jokic and a letter day for OG Ananobi as he had six steals in the first half, seven in the game, and a career high in points. The Raptors falling 133-118. to That's their third loss in a row, this time to the Denver Nuggets in the altitude of Denver up in the mountains without, or I should say, Sands. Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, and I suppose Dewan Hernandez as well, and O'Shea Brissett, who is running out of NBA days, so didn't make the uh, the road trip. He's still with the 905. And so the Raptors they lost 133 to 118 for a large part of this game. It seemed like it really seemed like the Raptors might be able to pull this one out, but they would have to play way above their heads to do so. And it just it didn't work out in the end in this one. They it was clearly a very well-fought game for the Raptors, not having your two big men, especially Marcus is maybe the ideal player to go up against Jokic, the same way that he was courted to do battle with Embiid last year at the trade deadline. Similar rumblings were made that Western Conference teams might be trying to get Gasol last year, and that, you know, it cannot be ignored for this game that Gasol would factor pretty heavily into defending Jokic. Even Ibaka, of course, would, but the Raptors not having either of them, so we see the same type of scrambling defense, desperate fronting, a lot of stunting from Rondé Hollis, Jefferson, and co. that we saw against the Minnesota Timberwolves with Carl Anthony Towns, and a couple days ago against Bismack Biombo and the Charlotte Hornets. The very same Charlotte Hornets who gave the Milwaukee Bucks a run for their money earlier today. But all in all, yes, the Raptors, they lost this game. It was a super tough matchup. But I've talked enough. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I am Ro Sampson Folk, and it's time to jump into this game and dissect how the Raptors lost and what was what was good about this game, some some positive things that we can glean. And the, the first thing to notice in this game right from jump is... That the Raptors, a ton of scrambling. The Nuggets went right to the Jokic matchup. It's very tough in the NBA for teams to maintain 
a post-up game throughout a whole game. And we did see them go in and out of using Jokic as their primary initiator, which was obviously, when they weren't using him, was to the Raptors' benefit. When they were using him, was kind of disastrous for the Raptors. And they opened up the game, tearing the Raptors apart, and that was largely because of Jokic, the way that he's able to very easily back players down. He's very controlled. He's very aware when he's going into his post-ups and his back-downs. And the Nuggets players, as we saw... When the Raptors played Carl Anthony Towns, Malik Beasley had recently been traded. Juancho Hernan Gomez had recently been traded from the Nuggets to the Timberwolves. Those were two of the po- most potent players for the Timberwolves working off of Carl Anthony Towns' gravity. And we saw Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Torrey Craig, everybody who was playing next to Jeremy Grant as well that was playing next to Jokic was making was making good on his, his gravity and the Raptors. They definitely, they had to double. They tried to go straight up a couple possessions to start the game. That just ended up with really easy two points every single time for Jokic. So they went into that more aggressive brand of defense. That's the stunting. That's the fronting. That's the overloading on Jokic. I'm pretty sure you could find a picture out there. as several different parts of the game where they had five guys surrounding Jokic with the ball in the paint. Jamal Murray, I think he started off shooting six for six from the field or something close to that. He was he was hitting everything. He did a great job of relocating off of Jokic's gravity. He did a really great job of making himself open. Gary Harris and the crew, all of them doing a really great job of spacing out. And the Raptors not having enough guys or not having a single guy to be the backstop to Jokic, having to chase all these players, not only having to double on the front end, but having to chase and locate once again on the back end. They did a pretty commendable job. It's just the Nuggets. It wasn't only Jokic who was making great reads as a passer. Jamal Murray going downhill, really great reads. Jeremy Grant going downhill, really great reads. Gary Harris. It was beautiful basketball to watch the passes they were making, skip passes, bounce passes, these crazy slingshot type of passes from Jokic, whether it was the the full court baseball pass or the touchdown pass, or just swinging it from one baseline to the other in the half court, doing a really great job of passing around the Raptors. Very motion heavy defense. The one bright spot I think was OG Ananobi defensively, although Pascal Siakam, even though he was very subpar offensively in this game, he was great defensively. OG Ananobi finding the right mix of both of those things in the first half, getting six steals. He gobbled up point to wing passes, getting himself fast breaks, or I should say breakaways, kind of in the hockey sense, where it's just you one on one with the goal, although it's a basket now and versus a goalie in, in hockey. But breakaways galore for OG Ananobi he stripped Jokic a couple times and when he was matched up against Jokic I thought he did the best job Ronda Hollis Jefferson getting the the bulk of those minutes though OG Ananobi anytime he was in close proximity to the ball I thought he did a great job of contesting shots when he was on the back end of the defense I thought he had really good range and as far as help side and closing out on passing lanes he was sublime so he started out the game really well He was a very, very big bright spot for the Raptors. And early on, we saw not only was he providing offense on the fast break, but also in the half court, being kind of a menace on the offensive glass, finally learning to use his body. He's a big guy down there, and he plays on the offense, I think, a little bit smaller than he is. We might be seeing the start of that changing. He was very aware of his, I guess, physical dominance in this one and used it finding the soft spots in the Nuggets defense. He did have a decent game from downtown, but that came later, actually. At the the outset, he did a great job of 
imposing his will on the inside and being a, a presence to score in the paint, which was great to see. We've been waiting on that for OG Ananobi. A lot of this year, he's been really, really dependent on his three-point shot for offense. He was completely, he had a great game from downtown, but he was not at all dependent on that. I thought he was fantastic, and he was a big part of why the Raptors were only down eight at the end of the first quarter. It was 40-32, to 32. The Nuggets torching the Raptors offensively. OG Ananobi really saving them for a large portion of it. And the Raptors had a decent close of the quarter. I thought that Terrence Davis II second and Boucher had a nice little stint. They had the Raptors with an eight. Down 40-32 going to the second. That's a tough thing to do, especially with the Nuggets shooting 9 of 11 from downtown. That was definitely the silver lining to that point in the game. You were wondering aloud, or one was wondering aloud, that okay, they're not going to shoot nearly 90% from three the whole game. Surely this means the Raptors will get back into it. But they did shoot well from three, and they were able to get, I guess, a lot more offense going towards the rim later on. But the Raptors, initially, I thought, pretty good defense. Honestly, it's just really tough to make up for that initial mismatch against Jokic every single time. To start the second quarter, I thought that Davis and Boucher had a really nice kick. They, they brought a little bit of offense. But that went away really quickly. The Nuggets offense was absolutely humming. They did such a great job of passing around the Raptors defense. It was that was the biggest part of the the first half was just watching the Raptors trying to keep up and contend with how great the passing was from the Nuggets. I think they had 26 first half assists. That's insane, right? That's that's basically how you beat the Raptors is you pass around that motion heavy defense and usually most teams can't do that because the Raptors are really intelligent on the back end if you're passing that often against them chances are you're gonna make a mistake and they did and OG Ananobi was there for them but they weren't making that many mistakes to the point where they weren't getting really efficient offense and the Raptors I think were waiting for one of their players to pick up offensively Norm Powell was great I think that he was punching in points when available he was really good on the fast break in this one and not a super great game from downtown for him but I thought he was definitely uh, cognizant of the of the Nuggets defense and where he was meant to attack and where he could be successful but they were waiting I think the Raptors that is they were waiting for Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam to pick it up offensively and the places on the floor where Gasol and Ibaka might alleviate the pressure that those two are feeling, really making it difficult on the, the Raptors because Kyle Lowry, they're snuffing out his screen actions. And for Pascal Siakam, who went, I think, one of seven from downtown, they're going under every screen action. So they have Jeremy Grant guarding Siakam, and he's he's a very good defender and has the typical physical profile I think you would want in a... I guess a generic Siakam stopper. So they're going under every screen. So the motion for Siakam becomes less meaningful and it's just way harder for him to get his own offense. And that, you know, that that had him going downhill, trying to force contact, not with a ton of success either. And it's just tough to watch a guy grind away, but his shot making wasn't at the level that it needed to be. Maybe his decision making not either. And the Raptors waiting on that at the end of the f- the first half, and it just not coming around. 
the game. There's a very back and forth quality to it. They the Raptors got to five. Suddenly it went up to a 12 point lead for the Nuggets. Then the Raptors they bring it all the way back and tie it at 60, largely on the back of I think some really savvy offensive reads from Kyle Lowry and some really great reads on the back end from OG Ananobi and of course OG Ananobi creating turnovers. The Raptors getting on transition. That's Kyle Lowry. That's Powell. That's OG Ananobi and to a slight degree Pascal Siakam as well. But I think we're mostly seeing it from OG and Norm Powell in this case. And they they got it to 60, and they tied it up. OG really doing such a fantastic job, carrying the water for the Raptors, doing so much work, hitting the three that tied it up at 60. But the Nuggets, they snuck into halftime up four. It, It was a tough half for the Raptors because there's so much effort required to make up for, like I said, that initial mismatch with Jokic and that's basically this whole game is just them trying to overcome that and eventually it was another part of the game that lost it for them and in a game that was very exciting and really a great and great to watch for a fan of basketball just the Raptors their compete level on defense some of the shot making from guys like OG Ananobi I thought that was fun to watch on the Raptors and mostly the defense for the Raptors and the passing from the Nuggets The game got bogged down. There wasn't that much offense in the third quarter, and things really slowed down because of the whistle. And the whistle was, whether you liked it for the Raptors, hated it for the Raptors, liked it for the Nuggets, hated it for the Nuggets, it was very inconsistent. The the third quarter was mired in a lot of whistles, a lot of calls, and the pace of the game had slowed down tremendously. That meant for the Raptors obviously that they had no more transition offense and that was tough to see the Raptors get away from but also on top of that in the in the first half of the quarter I should say and on top of that it was also good because for some reason that seemed to get the Nuggets away from Jokic and Jokic is far and away their best initiator after Jamal Murray had that great start of the game he cooled off almost completely he he wasn't that effective throughout the rest of the game he was very streaky in this one had a bit of a spurt later on in the game but nothing to write home about and the Nuggets when they went away from Jokic not establishing establishing themselves very well on the offensive end the slump for the Raptors did seem to intertwine with the slump for the Nuggets as well and that was I guess nice to see on some levels tough to see on others but the Raptors had a bit of a mad dash to the end of the third quarter, I thought that that was where Pascal Siakam was at his best defensively. Obviously, OG Ananobi overwhelming in the first half with those six steals, which I believe is a record, I think, in the first half. He also is the only player to go over 30 points and seven steals. Kawhi Leonard had 30-plus points and six steals last year against Atlanta in January, I think. But to get back to Siakam, I thought that he had a great uh, defensive quarter in the third. He was a really great job of being the back end of the Raptors' defense. OG Ananobi was hitting big threes. Terrence Davis II cramming in transition, having, you know, throwing down a huge dunk. It looked like the Raptors, they might get back into it. They might actually take this one over. But it just didn't end up that way. They went down for the same deficit that they had at halftime into the fourth quarter. And that's basically where this game fell apart was that the Raptors, the mismatch on Jokic was way too much for them to get around in this game and try as they might. And they definitely tried. It was commendable. They couldn't get over that hump. So they needed to win the minutes without Jokic. They really need to win those minutes. And to start the fourth quarter against Miles Pumley, 
they fouled Plumley a lot. They fouled the Nuggets a lot. And they put the Nuggets into the bonus with like eight minutes left in the quarter. And that was basically where everything fell apart for them. Because at that point in the game, they're playing not great defense, especially since you're sending the Nuggets, Sans Jokic, Sans Murray, to the line a bunch, giving them easy and free offense. And on the other side, Siakam's trying to lead a bench unit to quality and, uh, I guess, efficient offense. But that's not happening either, really. I thought that the defense was okay, but it just wasn't happening on the other end. And since they were sending the Nuggets to the line with regularity, the lead just kept ballooning up and up and up. And that's where it got to 11. The Nuggets, just because of the foul, well, not disparity, but just because of being in the bonus, suddenly emboldened to be more aggressive off the dribble. So even a reach-in foul or anything like that, that's free throws. They started marching straight to the rim. The Raptors, without a Serge Ibaka, without a Marcus All, don't really have the tools to stop that all the time. And so the Raptors lost the minutes without Jokic, and that's where I think that they lost the game. Jokic came into the game. The Raptors, they did their best to try and get back in. Some shooting from Kyle Lowry, some nice drives to the rim, all the things that we've grown accustomed to the Raptors doing towards the end of the game. OG Ananobi as well, I think providing a nice offensive punch at the end there. But the Nuggets, after that, they went straight back to Jokic, and the Raptors just couldn't get stops with regularity. After that, their offense dried up. The Nuggets went on that final run at the end of the game to where they lost by 15, whereas the game was probably quite a bit closer for most of it. And the Raptors just losing that Jokic matchup, not having the tools to contend with it. Sucks to see. Definitely a really tough game. And I know everybody wants to react um, in some way to this game because it is against a, a good team in the Nuggets and a unique team. And I think the unique teams are always the most fun to play. I definitely enjoyed this game. Well, a lot of aspects of this game. But if I'm trying to glean things from it outside of the OG Ananobi of it all, I think that his progress upward was so demonstrative and so high that you can't help but glean things from his performance. I think it was great. Pascal Siakam, nice to see him competing so hard defensively, even when he's struggling offensively. But as far as if this means that Siakam doesn't have, quote-unquote, it, or if Kalari doesn't have, quote-unquote, it, I don't think that that's the case. I think that Siakam, really tough time without a single other big man and the way that <laughs> the Nuggets played defense, the Raptors played offense. It emboldened a type of defense that makes things really difficult for Siakam. I don't think many teams will be able to play that style of defense if Serge Ibaka and Marcus All are both in tow. I think this game looks a lot better for the Raptors. If Marcus All starts this game, he shoots from downtown, he might have to stretch Jokic a little bit out. And if they're going to play that drop defense, Gasol can, whether it's the split action they're running or whether it's him shooting, they can really make the, the Nuggets pay for it with their above the break offense. Or if it's the two man game with Siakam, that might help open Siakam up depending on what type of defense Jokic is playing or Grant is playing. I think that all looks good. And if Ibaka gets to come into the game and mess around with Plumlee and they get to go against each other in that type of matchup, I think that makes things look quite a bit different for the Raptors. Also, Millsap was out for this game, but I don't think he swings it as much as the two missing bigs for the Raptors and Fred Van Vliet. Maybe that's homerism. Maybe that isn't, but... The Raptors, it's tough to glue things from this game. It's just, it was a super unorthodox game, the same way that it was tough to glean things from the Minnesota game, because if if you're looking for the Raptors to play this brand of basketball on their way to the chip, 
They won't be, ideally. They'll be at least somewhat closer to healthy. They're a big team, actually. The Raptors are a big team. Obviously, the backcourt is small, but if you're going positions three through five, they do play quite large. Sometimes we'll even see that supersized lineup where OG's at the two, Kyle's at the one, Siakam's at the three, Buck at the four, Gasol at the five. The Raptors play big. So when they're playing super small like this, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at center, I don't think this is predictive of any type of setting in the playoffs. The, the Eastern Conference is quite a large conference. I think it's a gritty conference, and the Raptors are gritty. That will pay off in the playoffs, I think, and they're big, and I think that'll pay off too. But for a game like this, it sucks to lose definitely all the credit to the Nuggets, a ton of credit to Jokic as he gathered a triple-double, and I thought he played excellent basketball, made great reads, incredible reads, actually. And the Raptors, it just seemed like in this game, the compete was there, the offensive polish wasn't, and neither was the the defensive ability, I guess, because the, the size mismatch was really tough to get around. But hey, that's that's life sometimes. The Reggie Evans Award for a second game in a row will go to OG Ananobi. I think it's pretty self-explanatory at this point why he would be getting this award. He was completely unreal on the defensive end. I thought that he was great helping out on the defensive glass. I'm really happy to see his rebounding progress and keep progressing as it has been since maybe late uh, January. I thought he's been pretty good. And to swing us over into the top quick reaction comment from Raps for Life says, Siakam was horrible tonight. On one end, I think uh, horrible, that's, sure, that's that's okay to describe his offensive night. He was not very good offensively. His touch that we've grown accustomed to thinking of as elite, maybe even a Hall of Fame level touch around the rim, especially last year, it felt like if he had a foot in the paint, it meant it was a bucket, has fallen off a little bit this year. Maybe it's just taking a little bit more contact, a bit more attention. He, he was not very feathery or soft on the inside as far as his touch went. His shot from downtown, not super impressive. But horrible all around, I don't think I agree with. He was super impressive defensively. And yeah, I think he deserves a bit of slack. He came out against Phoenix, against the Pacers. Really impressive offensive games. And that includes a game against Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner and co. And TJ Warren, whomever else. They, I think he did a really great job of reading against the Pacers. Serge Ibaka was in that game as well. That helps a lot. I just, I don't think that we can get so hard on Siakam. It's okay to call him, you know, horrible for tonight, I think, definitely. But if you think this is a a statement about where he's at as a player, I just don't think that's fair. Playing without Gasol and Ibaka against Jokic and Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant and the, the swarming Nuggets, I think, is a really, really tough matchup. And hey, if it's okay to say he did bad tonight, for sure. But if anybody's looking to glean from this and say he doesn't have it for the playoffs or whatever else, I think that's incorrect. And I think that the the Siakam playoff discussion is a nuanced one. It's not just that he'll be incredible. He's the next one up. He's a superstar. It's But it's also not that he's been figured out and he, he'll bring nothing of substance. You know, it's it's a nuanced discussion. One that I've had, anybody who listens to the weekly podcast has probably heard me talk about it. Louis Satzman and I last week talked about it at length. I have an episode with J.E. Skeets coming up soon where I'm sure we'll talk about it as well. J.E. Skeets, smart guy, knows a lot of ball. Hopefully that's interesting. But for me, that's it. That's the end of the reaction podcast for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. Want to hear something amazing? 
Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. 